Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Front End Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. My name is Evan Payne. I'm a senior front end developer at Actimo, and with me, as always, is my co-host Scott Francis, a senior front end engineer at Porsche. How you doing, Scott? I'm really good. Um, little, well, little under the weather today, um, but had a super exciting week last week because in between meetings. I um, docked out of the office, went and signed a few papers, and I'm now married. Whoa, <laughs> so, congrats. <laughs> Congratulations. Which, <laughs> which I've got to tell you made me look really, really crazy like to a lot of people because I literally was in a meeting and said, I'm going to just, I'll be back in like an hour and a half. I just <laughs> need to back. go and do something. <laughs> I need to go and do something. That's They're like, amazing. what? I'm like, yeah, well, I'm going to get married. <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations, big time. Thank you. I know that, um, you know, it's in some ways a formality, but uh, it's surprisingly powerful, I got to say. When we did our own civil version of our ceremony, it was like, this is intense. So congratulations. Thank you very much. So, on that happy note, today's episode is sponsored by NetCentric, an award-winning Adobe Global Alliance partner, consultancy, uh, general web awesome gurus, uh, headquartered in Switzerland, offices all over Europe, as well as Pune, India. Um, They are currently hiring for a number of roles, so if you're looking, uh, check them out. We're, as ever, so glad to have their support with this show. Today, we have a guest with us. Um, His name is Ryan Burgess, engineering manager at Netflix and host of the popular engineering podcast, Frontend Happy Hour. Uh, Ryan, how are you? And maybe you can sort of say a little bit about yourself and how you got into this crazy frontend world. Ooh, hey, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, as we started before hitting record, I am, you know, dad of two, a recent newborn. So I'm, uh, you know, maybe a little tired here and there. Uh, you know, my daughter is now going on eight weeks, but uh, surviving. And I'm excited to talk to some adults again right now. So that, that's always good. Um, yeah. How did I get into front end? I mean, I, I got in before. I don't think front end existed. That that wasn't a thing. When I started my career, I remember wanting to be in design. Like I thought, hey, I want to maybe do graphic design or hey, what's this web? Like I want to start designing things for web. And so I went to like a community college program and quickly realized like, yeah, design's cool and everything, but this coding thing to actually make things work is, is what I fell in love with. And a lot of what I was doing back then, like it was table layouts. I'll start with that. And then, um, but a lot of it was Flash. I did a lot of my early in my career was doing a lot of Flash action script two and three. Um, and then we all know what happened to Flash. It doesn't exist so much anymore. Uh, but even it was a natural transition when I was working for an agency. A lot of the work that I was doing was all Flash applications and games. And then it started to be like, not that it was people are asking more for some interactive web pieces and, and things. So it was very gradual. But then it was all of a sudden I'm writing jQuery and um, other JavaScript libraries to to get the job done. And so that's that's really what's led me down that path. Um, but I love the front end. I think it's, you know, I've done back end throughout my career, too, but like sprinkles of it. Front ends where I, I'm happy. Nice. Yeah, we talk about that with a lot of the guests on our show is that there is this immediacy of the feedback loop that you get with the front end. And I and I think if you end up doing this, you really do appreciate that, that you can tinker with something and then see if it worked pretty quickly. Um, it's really nice. 
I mean, it's easy too, right? You can spin it up in a browser. Like it doesn't take much. You can start writing code really easily too. Yeah, yeah so I don't wanna... that, that was that was that was actually what brought me into the web. Like the fact that you could do it so quickly. Like I, how you describe your uh, career progress there. Like I think that like basically mirrors mine. Like it was, uh, and and the start for me was really like at university. Um, someone just showed me like hello world HTML page. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, like this is a good idea. This is, yeah. I'll pay attention to this. I, I was similar to you. I'm, um, my, my sister's a, a great designer. Um, and I always wanted to be, um, but that kind of, I wasn't good enough uh, at that, or I didn't ever feel like confident enough at that. Um, because it was so subjective. Um, mm-hmm. and as soon as, as soon as I saw like, oh, you can actually build these things that like, you can, somebody else can do that for you and you can build these things. I, I was hooked. Yeah. I and I mean, you could also like learn that way too, by manipulating <laughs> other people's things, right? Like, yeah. wow, this website's cool. I can like pull apart things and, you know, inspect them and learn as I go, which is pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, rem- I remember when I was um, like 11 years old or something, maybe a little bit younger, uh, we had the computer first computer classes at our school um second grade or third or something like that and uh there were two programs that they had us kind of working on to sort of start to learn stuff one was logic i think it was called it was the one with the turtle where you could move you'd type in a series of commands to make the turtle draw stuff and you could pick up the pen drop the pen turn x amount of degrees and all that for me that was very similar to back end where you had to think through what you were going to do and plan it out and you could try it but you weren't really supposed to you're supposed to like go through the whole sequence and then execute it so you draw this perfect kind of mandala shape then they also had this program um in called hypercard i think but basically it was like you were making your own little like website flash stuff you know you'd have one card and then you could draw with like ms paint style whatever you wanted on it and then you could highlight certain areas that were clickable that would take you to another card in the stack and for me that was perfect because it was that instant feedback loop of like okay let me make the like scarecrow here and i'll put in some audio when you press the button or you hover over it as well i'm thinking back i'm like that was so advanced like if they could have just had that in a more shareable format, that could have been the internet too. Same as Flash ended up being sort of like that fancy interaction stuff that sort of took over. Uh, it, I don't know. It was a good time. It was inspiring and inspiring time, as is often the case with front end stuff. Well, and it changes so drastically too. Like I, I think that's what's oh, kept it's... me around in it too is just that you know, it's, you constantly are having to learn and it keeps you on your toes. Like there's something, something cool that someone's done and you're like, whoa, how'd they do that? And it's like some new technology or they've, they've just manipulated it some new way that you're like, oh, I never even thought of that. I I love that. It's just this constant, uh, one upping our, our industry, which is really cool. I want to touch on that actually. So the, the, The title of this episode, not that it always matters, is Professor X, and it's yet another X-Men reference and yet another slender thread connecting our guest's area of expertise to this superhero motif we have going. But it is this idea of being a team leader, I suppose, and you as an engineering manager. Um, I, I... I do. I have. I have many questions about it. Um, I've sort of saved them and not talked to other engineering managers because I knew you were going to come on and we could talk about this. So um, 
the first thing is maybe just for those listening, like what are the responsibilities of an engineering manager and how does that differ from what you do as just a regular engineer? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, as a joke, it's probably like meetings, like for real, like I look at my calendar and I'm like, that's my day. Um, but it's, it's very unpredictable sometimes too. Like I find like my role is harder to define. Um, it's like, I'm there to help make sure that my team has what they need. And, and that can be different forms of things, making sure that we're invested in the right, uh, areas of technology or the right projects work, how we're partnering with other teams, just thinking through a lot of these things, trying to be steps ahead. And that could even be hiring, right? Like making sure my team has what they need is literally having a team, um, or that, Hey, we need more people or we need a certain skill set, And, and so some of those types of things are what I think about is my role is just different. It's like, I'm not thinking so much deep on the technology levels, maybe in where we need to make some investments, but I'm also trying to encourage engineers to be thinking about that more. They're closer to the problems than I am, but I'm thinking about some of the, you know, connecting the dots with building partnerships with other teams or investing in the hiring, um, recruiting, networking, all those types of things. So it's really hard to define. I truly believe that my job is just a mix of things and one thing I always think of being back to being an engineer is context switching was not a good thing. And like, I think many engineers will agree it's really hard to context switch and it's, it ends up really slowing you down. You want to really keep heads down on what you're working on as a manager. It's constantly, constantly, um, switching gears. It's, it's, you know, I'll walk into like, well, I mean, right now it's all virtual, but like going into one meeting might be like some deep project level, then going into the next might be a one-on-one -on -one with an engineer. Those are two different things. Engineer might be leaving, might be like, hey, I'm putting in my notice. You're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Uh, so a lot of context switching. So at a high level, that's where I would say I'm kind of bucketing as a def definition there. I think that's, um, I think that's, yeah. Can I, I think that's super interesting. I mean, um, I was thinking about this uh, last week and I've recently started a new a new company um, and I've gone there as like, a senior front-end engineer and actually um, during the recruitment process I talked with the with one of the guys and they, they, they actually said like you know what job title do you want and I didn't really think too much about job titles and said oh well senior front-end okay but actually I'm an engineering manager. <laughs> I'm exactly what you just described. Um, I'm exactly what you described. And I was wondering like how you deal with um, like taking a step back from the code. Like, because to me, like at the moment, um, because it's a new product, I, and I, there are other people on the team who could like take a lead on like actually creating things. But at the moment I'm like, no, no, I need to know I need to know the code, but at the same time, I have all of these meetings and all of these different things to do, and I still, but I still want to slot in. And I realize that, like this time is coming to an end. I will not be doing the code. It just it can't happen. Um, but that kind of worries me that I'm like taking a step away from the actual coding side of things. So how do you how do you deal with that? Or how did so you deal many, with it? So many thoughts on this one. Um, I mean, so much so like I'd started I just recently, I feel like it was maybe a couple months ago, I started doing these like little video snippets for like engineering management and like, the, and I mean like little, I want to make them short and sweet. They're like a minute, two minutes max. And one of the first ones I did was saying engineer manager should not code. 
And, and I do actually believe that a lot. And I made the mistake when I first moved into management that I was trying to, it sounds very similar to you, Scott, is I was trying to do both. Um, I felt like the team that I had, uh, kind of had at the time we were shorthanded, like we, we weren't able to deliver on certain things. Um, I felt like it was wrong not to help out. And so I ended up doing two jobs essentially. And, you know, I moved from being an engineer to a manager in that um, company. So it was what I ended up realizing was I'm not doing, I'm not a good engineer and I'm not a good manager because I'm trying to do both. And what I really should have done is cut the ties with the code as quick as possible and focused on being a manager and being a manager for my team. And yes, that might have in the short term, we might have faced some pain where we couldn't deliver on some things I needed to prioritize and make sure like, and and talk to my partners and say like, hey, we're not delivering on this because we're delivering on X, Y, and Z first. And like, instead of me just trying to pick up the slack and do it, I should have been focusing my time on hiring and, you know, focusing my time on being there for my team. And then also delegating. I think there was also things where I knew the code base probably the best out of anyone because I was so familiar with it. And it just felt like, oh, I can just jump in. I'll be faster just doing this, which may be true still in the short term. What's better is like invest in the people and allowing and delegating and building them up, maybe helping giving input um, on some of the things to help them learn. That's going to pay off in the long run. Um, And there, like you said, I was in meetings. I just all of a sudden was in so many different meetings. And so I was coding in the evenings and weekends and like I was burning out quickly. And I I realized I took a step back and was like, am I a good manager and I or am I a good engineer? I'm neither. So it was it was kind of that pivotal point. And so when I joined Netflix, I joined as a manager and I have done a tiny bit of coding, but I've really stepped away and leaned on my team and I will give advice and input but like, I can't be held to delivering something. I realized that it's like, that is not my job anymore. And it was hard. Um, I will say mm. I've, I've been managing for going on eight years. I think now it's easier now where I still code in my spare time a little bit and there's not a ton of spare time, but you know, doing little side projects here and there, I still love code. That's what got me into this, but I, I have found that easier to let go. Uh, over the years, the first year or two was so hard. You just felt like, what am I doing? Like, why am I giving up something I loved? And then I started to fall in love with the new challenges, the people challenges, the like thinking strategic and all the things that were coming with leadership that I started to fall in love with. So that, that I think you need to give it time though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I have had a lot of thoughts while you, while you've been speaking about this. And I've been thinking about this for a long time because I am one of those people that has been adamantly against going myself going into that path because I don't want to let go of the code. And I know I don't want to let go of the code. Uh, at my previous company, I kind of like walked the line and I was doing some management, um, you know, people, uh, person-to-person management. Um, and, you know, I could do the team lead stuff and et cetera. And I am pretty good at the business side of things. I think on my feet really well. I can be in those concept meetings and like, you know, state the case. And as a senior, you're generally already doing the architectural style thinking, which is abstract thinking and is abstractions upon abstractions. But I don't personally feel like I can handle not actually doing the coding part. But then, you know, you talking it through doesn't change my mind necessarily, but it does make me think, okay, that this is just another level of abstraction. Do you think maybe 
it's it's tied to the fact that you are still enabling the building of software, right? Uh, you're building stuff. So it's not just being a manager, which is product management is its own field, but also something that not everyone has the skill set for or wants to do. But this is engineering management. This is we, we're working, to, you're, you're facilitating the team and all the other moving bits to actually build something tangible with software and computers. And maybe that makes the difference of, you know, scratching the same itch, building the same things. It's just another layer of abstraction on top. I, I like that you put that. I hadn't really thought of abstraction because you're right. Like when I moved into management, I was doing like a lead front end engineer role before that. And so you're right. Like I was doing more architectural, probably more meetings than I was as just like as a senior engineer. It was like you're just more and more meetings came into play. And so I was doing less coding, but I was really still thinking technical and I wasn't having to do, you know, actual management things like hiring or dealing with people's salary, all that, all that stuff that comes with management, or, I mean, you're, you are helping people grow. I was going to say, um, not helping with growth, but you are, you're still helping mentor people, um, in that way. But yeah, when I moved into management, like I always think about it now, like that you said that is, yeah, I'm still close to building something. We're still as a team, like I'm helping enable that. Like if you were just like, Hey, Ryan, go be a manager of, I don't know, like just something like you even said, product management I'm still is cool because you're you're creating something yeah. um but even even design like I talked about earlier you know Scott you said too you like design it's I don't know that I would be as happy being a manager of designers it's still I'm close enough to the technical discussions and I can use my um knowledge of like what are some things that we need to be thinking about like it is so abstracted like where I may not even know what the deep technical things that we're working on right to this day, because things have changed so drastically, but I can be like, well, have we thought about this or, well, what happens if we, you know, cut a corner here and like ask the right questions to help enable that. And to me, that is still things I enjoy. I'm still close enough to the technology, but far from it, right? Like it's, but you're still connected. You're not completely managing something that's just outside of the field. Yeah, and uh, uh, excuse me. I think that um, the key thing there is like that getting uh, getting some enjoyment. Like you're in a sprint review, and you've developed uh, your team's developed a new feature. Um, like the key there is like taking pride in that, even though you may not have coded, but like you're still delivering something, and you're still like, um, and you're still proud of the people that have actually done it. The way I was kind of trying to think of it was. Um, if there's people who are actually doing the code while I'm not, they're doing that because I left some space uh, where I, I was. I used to be doing it, and now there's space for them to be doing it. Um, and eventually, like they'll move along, I'll move along, and you know, um, and people will, will get, get the same enjoyment from the coding thing that I did. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that you you know taking pride in the team is something that's. Um, that can kind of make it easier like to like it's go. rewarding like it definitely is when you see like your team deliver something even though sometimes you're like i didn't do anything like because it's like <laughs> it's less tangible but uh you're like you're proud you're excited like this is what we delivered and and you saw some of those obstacles or you were in some of those conversations of challenges that you all were dealing with and yeah it's still rewarding in in itself so i think the next logical question here is then if you're not doing the coding on the day-to-day -day basis and you don't have that much time for side projects, I mean, 
you know, not everyone has that chance. I mean, plenty of people ask me like, how do you do stuff? Cause I do some stuff on the weekends. And frankly, it's just because I'm up a few hours before the rest of my family and I can do it then. But that keeps me up to date, even though I'm coding every day, I still feel that need. So how do you balance that when you're not coding every day? Cause you've got other responsibilities. Yeah, that's always been one that I don't know if I ever have the perfect answer for either. Cause it's, it's one that I want to stay like fresh or up to date. Like if I wanted to go be an engineer again, I think I could do it. I would be rusty. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm off my game, right? Like, it's like, I'm not as, but I think I would pick it up again. And what I've done to always stay up to date on is, is sometimes even just the conversations with your team is like, cool. Like, let's like, I w- I'm interested in it, right? Like this is coming from a perspective. It's not like I need to know what you're doing. It's more like, oh, that's really cool. How did you do that? Or like, let's talk through that because this is how I got in this industry is like loving all those things. Um, Doing the podcast too. Like, honestly, that to me has always been one. It's sometimes a forcing factor to just have a conversation about some of the latest and greatest technologies. Or, you know, if we're talking about something, I'm like, oh, I haven't even dealt with that. I might spin something up just to play with it so that I'm getting like a little bit of that feedback to understand, like, what are we actually talking about? Um, So that those have been good reading posts, like, to be honest, sometimes even Twitter is like a great one is like people start talking about something that you're like, what is this? You know, I have no idea. I need to go look at this. So to me, it's just like that interest is still there, but it is harder. I got to admit to like, say, oh, I'm going to go dedicate like an afternoon or four hours to um, go build something. Sometimes it might just be half an hour just playing around with it and and it's it's enough to understand and to have a conversation about it um and then also know that that tool's out there if you're like oh i need to build something i'm gonna pull for this um that's kind of been my mentality and it's gotten harder especially as being a parent it's that's even harder like i know when i first started into being a manager i still had a lot of spare time in the evenings or weekends where i'm like yeah i could you know do some coding on the side where i just build up my own projects and things like that yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about this frequently. I also think that it's really, um, it depends on what kind of learner you are. You know, I have to do things by doing them and having uh, solving an actual problem. I don't get anything from following along with like a blog post, really. I can kind of like at least be introduced to the idea maybe, but <clears throat> I don't understand how that tool fits into my toolbox until I've used it to build something with. It's it's a weird thing. So everyone learns a little bit different. So for me, one of the reasons, again, and I don't want to harp on this, but one of the reasons I avoid the thought of going towards that management is I'm not sure I would keep my skills up to date at all if I weren't actively doing it. I mean, I've seen that when I've taken like no coding vacation times and things. I come back and I'm like, what even is Angular? Like, <laughs> I forget everything. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a balancing uh, thing for me. I, I, but it I does come. To... It comes back to you though, Evan. Like you're yeah, saying, you came true. off vacation and you're like. So I do believe it's probably just like if if I go back to it, it's like I'm going to need probably months of ramp up time, right? Like it's like going from almost starting from scratch, whereas like you took that vacation and then you're like back and you're like, oh, I'm a little rusty for maybe a day, maybe an hour. I don't know. But like it's there's just a little more lead up. I think you're pretty dedicated with your like side projects as well, Evan. Like um, I'm convinced, I'm not convinced, sorry, that if you 
were a manager and you didn't code during the day that you wouldn't keep up coding because you would like, like it's yeah, exactly. Like, and you, uh, you know, and you found like, um, you found a way of like combining a hobby with producing like a side project, which makes things so much easier if you're actually doing something that you're really interested in, like you'd be fine. You should be a manager. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, all right. So that that's, and I've asked this before, like, you know, we had panel discussions back at the previous company as well, because I'm curious to see, and it wasn't until uh, we were in the Slack group that I even knew there was a term for this, uh, IC, individual contributor. So a lot of people think that the main track that you can go on as a as an engineer is to, you know, go from junior to mid-level to senior to maybe principal or, or lead or whatever the term at the company might be. Uh, to staff, and then to management. And then you just go into management, and that's where you are for the rest of your career, you know, barring significant shifts or changes. Um, And I've always questioned that assumption. It's not that that's bad. I think it can be really rewarding. Um, But I do wonder, is there a place for people that just want to keep on coding, keep on being in the trenches building? And is there a certain level at which, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, maybe we're going to start to be judgmental towards those people. I'm just throwing it out there. I wonder um, how acceptable that is to to carry on without heading towards the management route. Yeah, I, I always kind of hate that people think that because I mean, I probably felt like that, too, because mm-hmm. I don't think that we should feel that management is just the natural track because it's it's not it's different. It's a completely yeah. different role. So you know, we take someone who's just like this amazing engineer and we're like, yeah, throw them into management. And it's like, is that the best thing? Maybe, like maybe they make a good good manager or an okay manager, but maybe they don't because it is completely different. Like you're dealing with people, dealing with code. Those are completely different things. Um, And some people are good at it. They can do both. Some people are just not. And so I do believe there are tracks of work where it's just like you stay as a very strong IC and you keep growing in that technical depth. Um, and, and I mean, if titles matter, there are titles, like even at Netflix, we have something like a director IC. So there is director level engineers that are, they don't have direct reports. They're, they're probably still in meetings because they're, they're thinking about it more from a, you know, architectural, they're thinking very cross, uh, cross teams and like big broader changes that are happening um, at the company. And they're involved in a lot of those things. So they're thinking higher level. They are more abstracted, but they have gone down that technical track and stayed on it. And so I do believe that you can do that. And it's like, so why are we saying that you need to go down this people track of being a manager? If you were like your natural talent is just being a strong engineer and that's what you love and want to continue doing I say reward that, like keep paying those people more money, get them doing the work and that, you know, and they can help influence others on the team too. So I think there is these two tracks of work and it's okay to have that. And it shouldn't be that, oh, you want to progress? You just need to go to management. That to me doesn't make a lot of sense. No, totally. Like you, and as a manager as well, surely that's like a dream that somebody like is super talented and has been in the industry for like such a long time. And they're like, they're your go-to person. Like, you know, you can, they, they know everything, like, and they want to, they want to keep on coding. Well, amazing. Like, and as you say, yeah, just keep on, keep on rewarding those people. Like they're going to, you know, make them stay at your company and keep on putting all that effort in and showing like the other developers, like just how, um, how it is to really develop, um, 
in such, with such a high standard. I mean, that's a, like that's a manager's dream. I think there's. I, I'm with you though, Evan. I, I mean, I think that there is like um, just uh, a tried and tr- tried and tested um, like route. Like you go in as, as a junior, then middleweight, then senior, and everything. And I think that, and I've seen it even where people have said um, that this this person's like not giving any more like they're not they're, like they're not progressing like as though it is a bad thing you're like well you know maybe like this person's got like everything that they need that they feel rewarded every day by the job they do um like they don't they don't desire like lots more money they go home they're super happy like and what we we need to like criticize these people for being like super happy with their life. Like, come on. <laughs> and they're delivering, right? Like they're yeah, it's like, like, yeah. it's like it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I've definitely met engineers on, on both the sides where it's like someone just wants to keep getting better and better and better. And then you have someone who's just like, they're just a strong engineer and they're, they're delivering, they're doing their thing. They're happy. And they see they're, they're adding value. And I think that to me is like, even when I think about like money or titles and things like that, that's not really what motivates me or drives me. It's more like, I want to add value. As long as I feel like I'm adding value and feeling valued. And sometimes that can be in form of title or comp. Um, some Right? Like if you're underpaid, that you quickly feel like, oh, I am not valued. Um, but it's not that that's the motivation. Some people are motivated by that too. Like where they're just like, I just want more money. Like that, and that's okay. That that's a motivation that's fine. Um, but yeah, like we need to stop thinking like, oh, that person's no good because they're not like climbing the ladder. It's like no, they're they're delivering and doing an amazing job, and they're happy. Like that is great, and they're adding value. Yeah, yeah. I've also se- I've also seen developers who are amazing, and I actually think, oh my god, like they would not really make a good manager. Like they're like, yeah. they're, like they're not a people person. Like, right. they should, like they should, they should like steer clear. I think they would be unhappy if they moved into some kind of management position. I've seen people do it and then they regret it. And I've luckily they moved back to being an IC. Like I've seen that happen too. Mm-hmm. No, but I like that there is, I think, and, and, and we are, we shape our own culture here. You know, the reason we have these discussions is so that we kind of come to a consensus of what is acceptable and what's not. If we don't have these, then yeah, you're going to go off of the old business model, which is, you know, contributors up to management. But um, I like that companies are starting to embrace this new thought process of, well, there's going to be all kinds. It takes all kinds to build this, the stuff that we're doing. We're, you know, pushing the boundaries all the time. And if you want to kind of just tread water for a while, as long as you have someone like an engineering manager keeping you on track, making sure you're being nudged in the right direction to support the team in the right way, then that's totally fine to do. I like that that's happening. Um, it, it makes for a much more robust mix of people um, that you're working with. And, and that, at the end of the day, is great. It makes work not just a job, but a career and fun. So that's nice. Good. Um, I wanted to just pick your brain, actually. Um, this is totally not, oh, we don't often do it quite this uh, overtly, I think. But uh, earlier today, I was re-approaching um, and questioning some assumptions that I've made over time. I remember working on a Vue project, which was using Vuex and a state management system specifically for Vue. But the the lead developer um, that I kind of, I was 
I was acting more as product manager for this thing. I let him run the show. He was insanely fast and good, but he only allowed the root level component to speak to the state management. And then all of the child components had to be dumb components. And thus, there was a lot of what they call prop drilling happening, where the parent would pass to the child component, which would pass to the grandchild, to the great-grandchild sometime. And then the user would interact with that great-grandchild, which would then pass the data all the way back up before it could then go to the store. And I was super angry at the time, thinking, this is so frustrating. You have this great state management system that provides a level of safety but you're not really using it or you're not relying on it. You're, you're shoving it back up to the top and it could be anything. He didn't agree and that's fine. I let him do what he needed. Now I'm in the same position and I'm starting to do the same thing with an Angular where I'm kind of only letting the smart components, which are the higher level up you can go, parent or child ones, talk to the store and all of these other sub libraries don't need, they can't know about it. They have to talk to their parents first. And it's starting to frustrate me. So it's this thing of like, yeah, this is this is an acceptable pattern. You want smart versus dumb, but now it's conflicting with prop drilling versus you know being a little more fluid. So wh- what's been your experience uh, with that, maybe? And do you have any thoughts on that? I'm just picking brain here. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because it just reminded me too is like you know I haven't done a lot of view, but let's just and I've done some Angular. My Angular is like. <laughs> very old like when I, I I used it when I was first when it first came out and I've dabbled in it like since just like playing around with it but like I've done a lot of react and I, I remember react early on to like where we are today and and I feel like we've gone through these stages where it was like the best thing was just make as many dumb components as possible or you know pass as much props as you could and I think that there's to, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I'm going to say it anyways, is I think that sometimes we overthink it. Like we go too far one way is I do believe exactly what you said is like there's sometimes there's just a need for some smart components and some for dumb components. And I think that that's the right thing is like thinking about where, where what needs to be the smart pieces and what needs to be the dumb pieces and thinking about the trade-offs of, around that. I think sometimes people go too far. They're like, well, everything needs to be dumb and I'm just going to have this one piece. And I think that's where it starts to fall apart is either you go all smart pieces or all dumb pieces. And like, there's no in between. I think it's more the in between and starting to figure out what the right level of abstraction is and trade-offs along that. And that may be different for each project. It's really thinking about, well, why am I doing this? Like, why is this one dumb and this one smart? Um, and like, how am I thinking about how these interact together? Are there components that are changing lots, right? Like some, cause you know, and sometimes in a code base, some, that one component, like literally you wrote it once and you're like, mm-hmm. that is like six years old and it still exists and has not been touched. But then there's these other components that change, like not daily, but like, it feels like that. You're like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. we've rewritten that thing so many times. And I think it's sometimes thinking about that and you will still never get it perfectly right. Um, you try to think about the future as much as possible. Maybe you get it 70, 80% right. And then that one that you thought you were never going to rewrite ends up being rewritten like five times in one year. I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering it really well, but this is kind of how my mind thinks on it is like, I don't think there's a perfect answer. It's just more thinking about like, what's the future? What are the, how does this code base have to live and breathe like long-term? 
Yeah, I don't I don't think there's an answer. I'm I'm really just, you know, pulling for thoughts because I, I think the struggle that I'm having now is doesn't I'll figure out the answer at some stage. I'll make a decision at some stage. But I got to thinking about it because it is one of those, you know, architectural thoughts. It is one of those very abstract things of yeah, here's a best practice versus practicality versus mm-hmm. you're choosing to do this best practice because it's making your developer experience better. I guess, but then in actual practice of the best practice, it doesn't make your developer experience better. So, you know, we're, we're make, how do you come about making the decision? You know? Well, and that's um, the thing is like some of the developer, like just because the standard out there, like I read this blog post and it was like, this is the best way to do it. Sure. For that person or that team that might've been, mm-hmm. but like what's best for you and your team and how's that scaling? I think these are conversations that we need to have up front versus just saying like, Hey, I saw this is the best case. Cause you know, Evan Payne said it's the best. And so I should just do that. Well, what, why is it the best for his solution? Does that fit our needs? And I think we need to have more of those types of conversations as a team and thinking about that before just, and maybe that is the best one for us. Like these standards, sure. they're, they can fit your needs, but just understanding why it's the right one. Um, I, honestly, I think more times than not, like we, that's when we make the, dis, like kind of make the wrong decision as engineers is just kind of jumping in without really thinking about like, how's the longevity of something. I think there's a lot um, to be said for, for practicality. Like, yeah. There is like, I mean, I'm, I totally agree with you, Ryan. Like the, the, as long as you're asking yourself, like, why are you doing it? Like, why is this the decision? Um, because like, there's, the thing that I always go back to with software is that today somebody will say, this is the right way. Like, this is 100% the right way. And then, like, this is the front end. Like, six months later, it's not the right way because somebody else writes a blog post and says, "This is, you know, this is total rubbish. Like, it should all be like this. And then suddenly everybody refactors. Like... I would say that um, even though this is like, even though it's like levels of abstraction and probably like a junior developer wouldn't think of it this way. Like, I think that you will have seen enough in your career to know if you can bend the rules, like if you can actually, like that's where like the level of experience comes in. Like, yeah, perhaps I should do it this way, but actually like I get nothing from this and it makes it much more complex and, Therefore, like the people who follow me in or like junior developers on the team, like just aren't going to follow this, like make it, it, you know, you like everything you cut your cloth. But, um, but I think that there's, I would shy away from like dogma and like, oh, you have to do it this way because like this person said Yeah, and I'll, I'll report back to you both on, on how uh, my decision process goes. I get the sense that there will be like a third category between, you know, smart and dumb. Maybe like, you know, dropped out of high school one year early, but still did really great in life kind of area. So, I like oh, that. Man, it's like, it reminds me, of this, reminds me of The Simpsons where there's an episode where he's max power. He said there's three ways to do things. The right way, the wrong way, and the max power max way. Max power way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that'll be the thing. Yeah, I've got the whole. And I think that's what it, what we're saying is like you you kind of take those like extremes and yeah. and find what where they come together to make like the perfect solution for what you need. 
And and honestly, if we didn't do that, you wouldn't have like view because Evan, you would right. have just gone with some combination. We wouldn't have Svelte because Richeris would have gone with some combination of what already existed. Our questioning these assumptions and pushing it is what makes the front end a cool place. And I'm I'm standing on that hill forever. <laughs> Agreed. Cool. So um, we're getting close to the end, but first we have our segment, True Hero. In this segment, we want to highlight a few true front-end heroes that are working across the planet and to thank them for all that they do. So this time, Ryan, you decided to nominate someone that uh, I know quite well um, uh, from a distance. That's weird to say, but hey, this is the internet and that's what Twitter is. Um, you've chosen to nominate Jem Young, who is also a, um, I guest manager, engineering manager at Netflix now. Just um, just recently, like he's on woo-hoo. week two or three. Week two. Uh, was it two? Yeah. So yeah. Um, please tell us a bit more about Jem and why you're nominating him for this. Yeah, Jem is like very influential in, in the front end community and has been for many years. Um, I'll go back to like when we first met. Uh, I saw him speak at React Rally. I think it was the very first React Rally. And mm-hmm. You know, that was the first time we met. Uh, he didn't know this at the time, but I was recruiting him. I like met him. I was like, this guy's this guy's great. I got to work with this guy. Um, and so, yeah, I hired him at Netflix and, and we've been working together for years. And so I've seen him influence people on his team, uh, influence technologies in the community. He's he's an amazing speaker. Like I've seen him, you know, give talks and uh, a lot of people have learned from him on on front end uh, masters, which is like doing his workshops. Um, I think he's done some great ones there. Um, he's also someone that I've traveled with to many conferences. So him and I've spent a lot of time together and, and I've had a lot of opportunity to just see how he operates and work with him. And I've always been really impressed with with just how much he's also willing to give back. Like he will spend time with you and to just just try, try and help. And I love that. That's something that I love like to do is like to help people and, and build up her community. And I've seen him do the same. And, and he's also a partner in crime on front end happy hour. Like he's on the podcast with me and like has been for years. And, and so things like that, I've just, I think he's one that I always want to highlight and think that people should definitely follow him, talk to him if you can. He he's great. He's just a very um, great person to be around too. Yeah, absolutely seconded. Thank you, Jem, for all that you do once more. Um, great, great engineer, great mindset, good role model. So keep it up. Right. Um, last on our list, any proper hero is a well-rounded one. And so we like to share some simple musical picks. So Scott, what's the favorite thing you've been listening to lately? Well, I've not listened to, believe it or not, I've not really listened to music this month because I actually read a book, which as a father of two is like amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I read this book called Into Thin Air um, and it's by a, a guy called John Crowker um, or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, but um, yeah, this is about an expedition to Everest. Um, he was a journalist, like part-time cli- climber, um, and got sent to, to Everest um, to go up with this group of people. And like, it went disastrously wrong, like disastrously wrong. And it is yeah. like, I could not put the book down. It was amazing. Like just because I have no interest in rock climbing, like none at all. Like, <laughs> um, but the book just, I'm fascinated by like the, the decisions people make in the, 
the things that people would do in extreme situations and like yeah. just the limits that people will push themselves to. Um, and it was a really fantastic read. I would recommend anybody taking a look at that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I remember the movie from the nineties, um, vaguely, you know, but yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, Ryan, how about you? What have you been listening to or pick that you have in mind? Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Scott chose a book because I'm like, oh, man, I haven't been listening to a lot of music either um, just in the past month of having a newborn. But what I have found listening to is really great because a lot of times you're rocking a baby you're feeding or you're doing a lot of house chores and things like that. It's really easy to listen to books. I can't sit down and read them right now, but um, I just listened to uh, Ellen Powell's uh, book. I think she's called Reset. Um, really interesting story um, of, you know, talking about when she was working in venture capitalists uh, as then even to like being her as CEO of Reddit and just some really interesting things. Uh, I found that a really good read. Uh, she talks a lot about to her um just like sexism in, in the workplace and just building more inclusive environment. There's a lot, a lot going on in the story. I, I really enjoyed it. So that's the one that I just finished probably about a week ago. Nice. Okay. Thanks. Um, from my side, I will go with music and because somehow magically Scott did not, I will recommend um, St. Vincent's latest album, Daddy's Home. I mean, talk about like a trip back to the the 70s and a particular vibe. Like there's some good stuff in there. Um, and it's a it's one of those albums that bears repeating. Like with a lot of her stuff, there's pretty performance in mind. You can see just from the album cover that there's like, there's a movie here. And apparently there is a movie here. It's not about the album, but like she's got some movie that's coming out later this year. Um, experimental film type of thing. Pretty cool stuff. So very much on the St. Vincent uh, Annie Clark bandwagon. So. <laughs> I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna pick her, so I thought I'll pick something else. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm very impressed. Cool. So, looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, or star us in your podcatcher of choice. Reviews and ratings are how those fancy algorithms help people find our content, and the power to help is within you. If you have any questions or topics you want covered in our next episode, send a tweet to us at Heroes Front End and we'll add it to our list. Until next time, heroes, remember with great front end power comes great responsibility. See you next time.